0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. episode 20. I am joined by a first-time guest of the pod. His name is Bibbs, that's at Bibbs Corner on Twitter. He is one half of the Mavs Outsiders podcast. Bibbs, happy to have you on. Uh, I'm thinking and hoping that this is a better interaction than our first one uh, <laughs> on Twitter, but uh, happy to have you on, man. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. i um...
1: A uh, better than the Mavs offseason, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys are having a pretty good one though, so I imagine you're doing pretty good as well.
0: Uh, I'm doing well. well. We'll see. I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I'm like. A, I'm. I'm not as in love with going all in on Donovan Mitchell, but okay. uh, we can talk a little bit about that later. Uh, but before we get started, I have to I have to make an announcement that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday that I do with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops, and it certainly hasn't stopped over the last day uh, since Shams very kindly dropped that bomb on us at 11:40 p.m. last night. There, there's another tier, there's a $9 tier that gets you access to this pod right here, Stricken Roll, my solo pod, where I rant, yell, rave about the Knicks even more than I already do. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Morana, two of the best in the business. There are even further tiers beyond that. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like live watch parties, merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day whether you choose to subscribe or not none of this would be possible without you so without further ado let's get started um all right look i i think you're a mavs fan i think there's only one obvious place to start and that's frank like no um no look i i think i mean look jalen brunson obviously leaves leaves dallas signs the knicks four years 104 million dollars. Um let's go back a little bit. The Mavs have this awesome playoff run. And I'll be completely honest with you, I thought when the playoff draw opened up, it was like I was like all right, yeah, they can beat Utah for sure. I actually liked you guys in that series. Right. But then it was Luka was going to be out for a few games. Um Brunson blows up, right? You guys go up 2-1. Yeah. And then Luka comes back and you make this run all the way to the Western Conference Finals and you know, there are ups and downs, but I thought in large part, uh, Luca is obviously by far the best player on the team. But I was like, okay, Bronson, that's a hell of a run. Like he's earned himself a little payday. Did you think at that point that even if another team came in and offered something like four hundred million, that the Mavs would do whatever they could to keep him, or were you expecting like, hey, look, if the Knicks come in with all the fucking connections he's got there, <laughs> this is a thing that could just, you know, he just he's gonna leave.
1: So, I'm going to be honest, I uh, I'm I'm very different than a lot of Mavs fans. I uh have a I mean, I, the the podcast is the Mavs Outsiders, and I I offer an outsider's perspective. I'm not I'm not as wrapped up in the the goings on in Dallas. Um I'm a I'm a basketball fan first. And when we drafted Brunson, I was disappointed because we drafted two-point guards. At the time, we still had Dennis Smith, and I was like, you know, what's the long-term plan here? Um, At the time, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that we had made Brunson an unrestricted free agent at the end of his rookie deal. But just watching his game, knowing his game, knowing his ability, because I had him as a a mid-lottery type pick or a lottery type pick um, or like 15, 20, like mid-teens was his grade that I gave him. And I said, just looking at who he is, what I expect him to be, he'll be fine. He'll be a, a good backup immediately, but he's gonna want to run his own show at some point. S- so all season that was my that was in the back of my head, is like he's he's gonna want to run his own show at some point. Like he's not gonna be satisfied with coming back to play off the bench
0: behind Luca. Um oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I was just gonna say, like, so so like you know you've obviously watched him for three years before this one, so throughout this year, you were just of the- like when you were just watching him, did you feel like okay like he's now gotten to a level where not only does he want to run his own show but he's definitely capable of doing it so
1: and here's the thing so
0: <laughs>
1: again I in the back of my head, you know, I always thought he he's the type of guy that would eventually want that um what Rick Carlisle did benching him in the playoffs last year uh, and keeping him on the bench. And he admitted this when he went on Duncan Robinson's podcast, that it affected his confidence. Um, when Jason Kidd put him in the starting lineup, I think that was the first attempt to try to say like, Hey, look, you can stay here and things can be great. Like you can play with Luca. Um, and that the, the the side angle that that did is it allowed him the opportunity to grow his confidence and prove that he could be that type of guy. Um, Luca was out for a while, and he kept us in every single game. We didn't win as many, but he kept us in the games. Like, we went to the wire against the Suns twice with no Luca uh-huh. in the regular season. Um, the next piece of that was what teams were going to have money. So the the team that we were watching the whole season was probably the Pistons. And I didn't think he was good enough to be a starter on a playoff team, but I thought he was good enough to be a starter on a bad team like the Pistons if they threw a bag at him. Mm-hmm. So that idea was always there before the playoffs.
0: Okay, but the, so the playoffs did like change. Did that did that change what you thought of what he was capable of as a
1: player? I've I've always been high on him. I, I compared him to Kyle Lowry coming out. I've always thought he could be a Kyle Lowry type of guy. Uh, like I, I watched him in college, and it's it's not just the, the reason I had him as a mid-teens type of player in his draft class was because, no, he doesn't look like the, the, the prototypical NBA point guard that you want, like a superstar, but he does everything right. He can score at all three levels. He's a leader. He's poised. And he got the opportunity to show that. In the playoffs, he got the opportunity to show that in the regular season. So the pool of teams that would be interested in getting him grew, in my opinion, in the playoffs. Um, So, yeah, it was always in the back of my head that if he had an opportunity to go be the lead ball handler somewhere, that he would definitely take it. And I do think he's the type of guy, again, I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but he's the type of guy that can run a show somewhere for sure.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, the thing I – so – Again, like, this is full disclosure. Anybody (laughs) listening to this would already know this. I personally was, like, I like Jalen Brunson. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to help the Knicks. Um, I personally just thought they should run it, not run it back. That's the wrong way to put it. I thought they should give Emmanuel Quickly a shot at running point guard Mm. next year, starting point guard. Um, But at the same time, like, I don't, to me, not, not choosing not to do that. Right and going out and signing Jalen Brunson. And I, I don't think the contract is... I, I'm fine with it. I don't, I okay. have not thought it's like a big, huge crisis or anything. <laughs> um, I'm fine with that because what Jalen Brunson is, is he is one of the most efficient two-point scoring guards in the NBA. And the Knicks finished 30th in two-point field goal percentage last year. Oh, wow. I think they finished 29th the year before. So there are terrible teams scoring inside the arc he is literally one of the best in the league at it. So, you know, whatever you think about the kind of the contract and the asset allocation of it all, like, fine, but he's going to help the team on the court. So I was okay with that piece of it. Okay. Um, And I, I think he's a really good player, Uh, you know, in 17 games this year without Luca on the floor. He put up 20.4 points, seven and a half assists, four rebounds. I did a little thread on this the other day, but his efficiency stayed high all year without luka on the floor mm-hmm. um that's not to say obviously like he's not i mean it's different to do that for 82 games right. versus to do that for 17 and to do it in spot minutes when luka's sitting on the bench but like there is a player there there's i think there's upside there given kind of you, you watch the warrior series i'm sure where they kept going under all the screens and daring him to take pull up threes and that's like something that he's It's kind of funny because he's hesitant to take those, but if you put him like two feet inside the arc, he's like, yeah, I'll take that (laughs) all day. Like he's like very comfortable taking that shot. That was definitely a frustration for me for sure. Oh, oh yeah. I believe it. And, and I just think like, that's the step. Like if they, if he makes that step, you know, with his bag, like it's kind of funny because I think because he went to Villanova for three years, he's a second round pick and like, he's more of a ground-bound player for as good as a finisher as he is. He's obviously not a high flyer. Like, I don't think people... I really think people have this idea of him as, like, this very, very kind of methodical... And he is methodical, but, like, a very textbook, like, (laughs) solid... And he's, like... Like, if you watch his, you know, watch him play highlights, games, whatever, he's pretty saucy with his handle. Um, And so, like, the Knicks have not had anybody like Derek Rose obviously does, but you know, he's older now. You can't really depend on that, but like, they've not had a starting guard capable of really like dancing on guys the way that Brunson can. And um, you know, that is its own element uh, that, that they've been missing. So it's just like, it's It's really impressive to see the growth he's made as a player, but because um, I one of the concerns I had with him coming out of college, I remember was like so much of his offense at Villanova they used to use him in the post a ton. yeah, and I know he still has the post game, but like I was like, I, there's no way an NBA team is going to ha- you know have <laughs> like 10 plays a game for this guy in the post, like what's he going to do? And it's just like really crazy to see how much his game has grown even from then.
1: No, a hundred percent. Um, and I think, you know, it's funny like when you look at the numbers, he's like, I think top five paint scoring or something like that. Um, <clears throat> he, he, he's a sturdy guy. He can back down smaller guys, but the, the bigger part of that is that he's comfortable in traffic in, in the paint in and around bodies. Like you mentioned the methodical dribble or the, the, the ball handling, like, he's not the fastest guy but he's crafty smart he knows how to use his body angles he knows how to manipulate the defender like those little things like again it's not the sexiest all the time for a highlight package but you know he he knows what he's doing with the ball he's not out there dribbling off his leg he 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 knows how to get where he wants to go and it's going to be fun for me to see him on another team where he's the primary distributor um I was on uh with Nick's Fan TV and oh, he uh they mentioned like the assist situation, like he only averaged four assists a game this year, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and you mentioned he averaged seven when Luca was out. Yeah, seven and a half, yeah. That's yep. that's about where I'd expect him to be, that seven and a half, eight range as the lead ball handler. Like he has it in him, he just didn't get the opportunity to do it because Luca was there and Luka was doing it. Uh, when he got the ball, it was usually because Luca decided he needed the ball at this time and it wasn't assist time. It was shoot the ball
0: time. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, yeah. I was actually listening to um Locked On Mavericks the other day with uh Kirk Henderson. Okay. Uh and he had you know, they were doing like a call in show kind of thing. And oh Mavs Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, Mavs Moneyball, yep. And um he was talking about um you know, that... Yeah, Mavs Moneyball, not Lockdown Mavs. Yeah, I gotta make sure you um, give my guy Kirk his credit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Um, but he was talking about how he was convinced when Rick was there that, like, Brunson's lack of assists were because he just didn't see the floor well. Okay. And... And I get—he was talking about how he talked to somebody. I forget. I don't even remember who it was, but somebody like even way before was telling him like, "No, man, it's it's Rick. Like, <laughs> this is Rick. Like, it's not Brunson. It's Rick." Mm. And he was like, "Yeah." And then you see what he did this year, and he was like, "God damn it, it was Rick." <laughs> um, and it's like, I, I guess like I, I don't really know what the dynamics were there, but like, what does that mean? Because I, I mean, just looking at it from the outside in. I mean, there were times Rick had him... He was the backup point guard, right. right? So I'm assuming he was running the show then. But what does that mean? Like, what was Rick asking of him that, like, that there was this conception of him as kind of like... I don't want to say a Chuck, but that he just lacked vision. And then all of a sudden, kid comes in this year. And, you know, across the board, I feel like um, there was just a lot more like, holy shit, Brunson's a really solid player. Like, way better than I even thought he could be.
1: I think that Rick kind of ruled through fear Um, he had a very short leash which made guys who were trying to prove themselves take less less risks Um, and I think Brunson's issue with Rick is that he was scared to attempt certain things for fear of making a mistake and getting pulled out of the game Um, what I saw with him this year was he relaxed more and he was more comfortable Playing loose and free, uh, in in Kid's system because Kid, surprisingly, I don't know what what changed <laughs> between Milwaukee and and now, but he allowed guys to make mistakes. He encouraged them to to try things and didn't punish people. And you could see the difference in a lot of players in how they were playing, just not having Rick back there as a drill sergeant. You know, I, again, this came up in his interview as well with um on Duncan Robinson's podcast you know I might play I might start one game and I might not play more than 10 minutes for the next five based on how Rick Carlisle's coaching like that didn't happen under Jason Kidd so Mm -hmm. I think that that the mental aspect of the game is what people don't pay attention to a lot and I do think that mental aspect
0: is what unlocked Jalen Brunson Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I think Rick Carlisle is a really awesome tactical coach. Um, And and I would even say, like, he had this weird... I feel like after the title, he was really obsessed with, like, these three-guard lineups all the time. (laughs) Uh, And, like, I get it. And he's such a good coach, he could, like, make it work. Um, But, like, it was weird because I, I always thought in the regular season, he was not nearly as good as he is in the playoffs right. um because that, like that i thought that clipper series last year the fact that he even went seven games i know like dallas goes up 2-0 and then obviously they lose four of the last five but like for that team even go seven given the kind of significant talent difference i think i think before between those two yeah. teams when the healthy um was like wow that was really impressive from rick and you know he got he caught a lot of shit for maybe not not from all corners but he had to catch some shit for kind of like telling porzingis like dude i don't care that you want to post <laughs> up like you're gonna go stand in the corner and take threes because that's like that's what we think is the best thing for this offense and i i know that was definitely like a struggle but i 100 percent think he was absolutely right um and you know whatever the case is i just think look he, the guy's there for what he was there for Fifteen years, whatever the fuck it is, like too long. It's time for a new voice, <laughs> and I think to kids' credit, you know, I don't want to go into any of the off the court stuff because that's yeah. its own thing. But like, as far as his development as a basketball coach, I was really impressed with what I saw this year. Um, because all the stuff with him from Milwaukee was like, you know, he is this lunatic disciplinarian, right. you know, super control freak, and you know, I've talked about this with Tibbs, but like. One of the things that impressed me that Kid actually did is he went and he worked on somebody else's staff. You know, like he humbled himself. He went to LA. He sat on, you know, Lawrence Frank's staff for however many years he was there, two or three years. Uh, and obviously at first there was this entire thing like, oh, he's just there to like he's gonna beat Littlefinger and stab <laughs> him in the back and like take the job. But like he actually, I think, embraced the role he was in and learned from it, right. you know, like see how another coach handles things and and learn from that situation yourself. And and obviously the fact that he's dealing with really big personalities in LA with like LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? So it's like, these are like really valuable experiences for you as a coach. And I just think um, he took a lot of that with him to Dallas. And then you watch kind of like, he gets this incredible buy-in defensively. By the way, like the Knicks kicked the shit out of the Mavericks twice. And I've, I've <laughs> tweeted about it, like multiple, after each game, I was just like, look, I obviously Dallas is doing something very, very right because they're really good this year on defense, especially. But like, I have no idea how this team is a top ten defense. Um, <laughs> but it's like just to get the buy in he got from really the whole group, um, and get them to com- committed to executing their scheme. And then I think his willingness to just be like, "We don't have any good bigs on this roster. Fuck trying to like pretend like we do." let's go five out and just embrace that entirely. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought he did he, look, he got everything that you could not get more out of this team than he did. I, um, facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just thought he did a really good job this year. Uh, and I do, I do have a, we'll get into their off season. Cause I have obviously even beyond the Brunson thing, I have some real questions about what they've done. <laughs> um, but like, like, are you, are, are there, are there things that you feel like with Brunson there, obviously there was with him and then obviously Luca. And then you add Dinwiddie at the deadline. Like I've seen this, this notion of like, well, Tim Hardaway Jr. Is going to be back. And I liked Tim; He's a solid player. He's not, and he can score, but he's not going to score at all in the same ways that Brunson is. Right. Like, is that something that you're really concerned about?
1: Uh, you gave me a lot. I want to go back to the Rick Carlisle piece that you mentioned. Um, I'll make it quick. Uh, You mentioned that you felt like he was kind of a bad coach in the regular season, and then he would turn it on in the playoffs. And that's a hundred percent what the experience was. Uh, (laughs) He, it felt like he was experimenting during the regular season. Like he would just put something out there and see what happens. And then playoffs would come and he'd have all the data to know what was going to work and what wasn't. Um, People were pissed that he played Boban in the Clipper series. But if he doesn't play Boban, I th- don't think either one of those series, the, the one in the bubble or last year, go six or seven games. Like Boban was the second most valuable player, in my opinion, on the court, uh, which is just weird to say <laughs> for a guy that barely ever plays, uh, whether he should or shouldn't. But that was Rick Carlisle, and he didn't care about your feelings, like you said, told KP to go stand his ass in the corner i respect
0: that like <laughs> that's
1: how you deal with kp it's like kp you're in here you're killing us man just go stand over there man just just go like i, I don't care if it hurts your feelings um like you said i, I respect that too at the same time he he benched Jalen brunson he killed his confidence like when you do that to young players that are trying to make their name it's bad and that's why i wanted him gone because we were we had a lot of young players i didn't need a guy like rick Carlisle destroying them all um kid like you said he came in he he was a completely different person i made the joke that you know i don't know if they gave him some happy pills somewhere or it's just the the humble (laughs) pie was so good but he's a completely different person than he was milk going milwaukee and brooklyn like everything i heard was terrible um from brooklyn and milwaukee everything i saw was terrible as far as his management of people and what he was a completely different person this year. Um, he, uh, the Zen Mask, I mean, not Zen Mask, he was just so calm and, and happy. Like, I, I don't know what happened, but I'll take it. Uh, I was very critical of the hire initially. Um, I hate recycled coaches, uh, I I would prefer to give like people new chances. But did you
0: want Jamal Mosley?
1: I did, I, I was I... big on Mosley. I felt like he had the relationship with Luke already. Uh, the relationship with the guys, and I wanted to give a young coach a
0: chance. Uh, so you must been really happy with how Rick handled that entire situation. No, nah, that was <laughs> that was disgusting to me. Like that was. Uh, I mean, I'm
1: glad Mosley he landed somewhere. He got a job. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems like Orlando's giving them a chance to build with those young guys. So maybe it was good for him to get out of the Mavs organization. But uh, yeah, Rick Carlisle, ugh, that that whole situation. I'm just <laughs> Donnie Nelson, all that. I'm glad it's done. Like we can move forward. I, when people bring it up, I say, "Hey, that was your ex. Let it go. Like, we're, we're moving forward from here on out." Um, I almost forgot <laughs> what your, your final question was. Uh, oh,
0: I mean, it was just uh, you know, it no, was that, just like the Brunson piece of yes, yes, losing yes. him,
1: and yeah, yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. So I've part of the reason I'm I've not stressed over Brunson leaving is because I didn't feel he was the long-term fit next to Luca Resigning him for me would have been re-signing him to trade him later to get the appropriate guy next to Luca. Um, the pretending like Tim Hardaway Jr. Is an off season addition is pissing me off from the front office. <laughs> Just going to keep that a hundred. Uh, that's one of the talking points they keep repeating.
0: Yeah, Rick, Rick I, saw, I saw Cuban had this whole thing of like, um, you know. oh yeah, we we can replace Brunson scoring easily. Yeah. It's like, all right, all right, <laughs> buddy. Good luck with that. First
1: of all, Tim Hardaway Jr. is incredibly inconsistent. He was playing like complete ass before he went down with the injury. <laughs> it's like, the, the, let's not pretend that didn't happen. Um, he can't handle the ball. He can't, he's not playmaking. He, if he gets the ball, he's shooting it 90% of the time. Defended by three men or not, he's the ball's going up when it hits his hands most of the time. Oh yeah, there's value in that, but I, I don't like that we're going in right now. We're going into the season with Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie as the only dependable ball handlers.
0: Um, yeah. do you think so? I'm just looking at his numbers right now. Uh, so the two years before this one, so 2019, 20, 2021, 20, uh, he shot just doing it right now he had 44 39 and a half splits from the field uh and he averaged just over 16 points per game uh he was at 58 and a half true shooting and then this year uh he goes to sorry uh 14 points per game he's shooting 39 and 39 and a half 33 and a half splits from the field And 52 true shooting. Do you think that he's a guy that maybe benefited more from Carlisle's kind of like very regimented offense, whereas Kidd definitely gives his guys more license to do shit? And I feel like, Tim, like, look, I experienced it in New York, right? Because he came, he has like a couple of really good years in Atlanta, right? Where it looks like he's bounced back and really built himself back up and he comes to New York and he actually had a really good first season I thought in New York with uh under Jeff Hornacek who you know was not an amazing coach or anything but had gave him a more defined role didn't have him just freelancing all the time right. and then he get, he gets fired and we bring in Fizdale and Fizdale is like the ultimate fucking ball don't stop coach just you know rolls the ball out there happy for guys to iso endlessly non-stop if they want um and like tim's numbers plummet and then obviously gets traded with uh christoph's in that in that big deal but like i i saw that so is that something like with tim that like does that make sense is that kind of like
1: maybe what happened yeah i think you kind of nailed it um and it was funny because i talked about rick tinkering and that year uh, I think Tim started off the bench and he would come in off the bench and th- be firing away. Like you couldn't control him from firing away. So then Rick puts him in the starting lineup with Luca. Luca's, Jalen Brunson was quicker to give the ball up than Luca's going to gonna give the ball up. So right. Tim was only getting the ball when it was time to shoot
0: <laughs>
1: and when he was in the best position to shoot. It wasn't just I need to get the ball out of my hands now. I'm giving it to Tim, and then Tim decides to shoot it. It was okay, Tim. Here's the ball, shoot it, and his numbers went through the roof because Luca was con- him being on the court with Luca contained when he got the ball to the the time when he was supposed to have it. Uh, and I mean I've talked about it on the timeline. I was joking. I was like, we had to handcuff Tim Hardaway Jr. by playing him with Luca and with Luca only. Like if Luca's not on the court, he's throwing up bullshit. But when Luca's on the court, he, he's shooting the right shots. Um, and then with Kid, I think Tim, like you said, just got a little bit too loose again and was firing up these crazy shots all over the place uh-huh. before the injury. Um, I do fear what the plan is right now uh-huh. because the last thing I heard is that the Mavs are planning to start Luca and Spencer together. Which means there's a strong opportunity that Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to spend some time, a lot of time on the court without Luca. And yeah, I don't I, need that again.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I want to touch a little bit on this because, look, the Brunson, i'll I'll say this about Brunson: I agree with you. I don't think in just like if you're just looking at it in terms of long-term basketball team building. I don't know if Brunson was going to be there long-term. What sucks for the Mavericks is you lose the asset entirely. Right. Now, like, you didn't get anything for him, right? They couldn't even figure out a fucking sign-in trade to have a traded player exception have for a theory Mark Cuban too. to not use. <laughs> oh, I, I, My theory is that Mark Cuban didn't want to have that so yes. that fans wouldn't get pissed when he didn't use it anyway because <laughs> um, he's being super cheap. Um, but, like, that... That's the part that like, I, I don't know, I, I've seen enough from Mavs fans where it's like, this was my thinking all year because people were like, well, they can give, the Mavs can give him the fifth year and Cuban hasn't paid the tax in 10 years. And like, you know, they're making this run of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I, he's going to pay the tax. He's going to, he's going to pay up for Brunson. He's going to keep him. And I was just like, dude, I don't think he is. Like, I, the, as soon as that trade happened at the deadline, the Din, they they trade Kristaps for Dinwiddie and Bertans. I was like, part of this is getting rid of Kristaps for sure, but part of this is Dinwiddie is a hedge for Brunson. Like, it's absolutely a hedge for Brunson yeah. if Brunson walks. And everything as it played out and everything, like, I was just like, he's playing himself into a really nice contract. I know the Knicks are going to throw something at him. Yeah. And, you know, like, I just didn't think Cuban had, I don't think he wants to extend himself into the tax. He just doesn't think it's worth it. And he's not going to do it for Jalen Brunson. Like, maybe if it was some more flashy star player or something, he would have done it. But I was like, I just didn't believe it. I just did not believe he was going to do it for Jalen Brunson. And I don't know. Like as a fan, I would be just furious. Not like, cause I like what you said is accurate where it's like, it's not that you wanted to keep him because he was the guy that you were going to like, it's, you know, Luca and Brunson, right. like that's the duo, but it's like, okay, but now you have Brunson. Once you give this next pick to the Knicks, now you have your 25, your 27, like, What can Brunson and those picks, like, does that get you something? You know what I mean? Like, there's things you could have, or could you use Brunson to acquire picks, right? Because that's another part of the issue the Mavericks have is they just don't have a lot of capital to trade. And so, like, that's the shit where, if I was a fan, I would just be so pissed about (laughs) about that situation. And then on top of it, you get the reports of, like, oh, they didn't give him an extension last summer, which he would have signed. And then apparently Rick, I, mean, I don't know if this is true or not, obviously, but Rick Brunson claims that he went back to them a month or something before the deadline and was like, look, if that extension's on the table still, we'll take it. And they were like, no, we don't want to give it to you right now. And then as soon as that deadline passes, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give you this extension. <laughs> um, I don't know how true that is, but like, I've seen theories where it's like, look, maybe he's full of shit because Rick is just crazy, but like, <laughs> they literally signed and Finney-Smith to an extension, like, the second the trade deadline passed. So it's like, so it's like maybe he's probably just like the truth, the situation. So it's like, those are things where it's like, I don't know if you can blame like Nico Harrison and kid or whatever. Like they, they inherited a not great situation. Not in the sense, like you have Luca, that's great. But like, there's a lot of shit to clean up and the cap was out of control. And there's all these weird expenses going on. Like, I don't. It's. I don't want to kill them for that, but like, I, I. I just think the Brunson thing. Like, they completely botched that. Like, really, really bad. Yeah. So there's
1: there's a lot of pieces to that. Um, <clears throat> first of all, the Jalen extension thing. I personally thought that he was worth more than the max extension we could have given him, which was like the four years, fifty five. I, I personally right. thought he was worth more than that, and I had very little hope in signing him to that deal during the season. Uh, Mm -hmm. The reports coming out that we, that he wanted it surprised me for that reason. But then I I bring in the Rick Carlisle killing his confidence, him being benched in the playoffs. Maybe he needed that security to feel good about himself. Maybe he was that low on himself that he was willing to accept that at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, them coming back to him in january and asking for it also makes sense because again it's about security and the mavs not giving it to him allegedly was because they wanted to maybe be able to trade him if the right Right, trade because if they gave him the extension then they wouldn't have been able to trade him at the deadline exactly and like knowing that if i'm jalen brunson i'm feeling some type of way Like I'm coming to you asking to sign this deal for my security. And you're saying no. And I know it's because you potentially want to trade me. Um, so yeah, so that that's a burn bridge in my opinion. That's to a guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent, no less like we have. And that's a Donnie Nelson mistake.
0: I can't blame Nico for the fact that Jalen was unrestricted. Um, However, you know, his, his agent was Leon Rose when he negotiated that contract. <laughs> so, like, when I, I still remember seeing that, I think it might have been a year ago, two years ago, because I was like, you know, you're kind of the Knicks have, point guard has been a problem position forever. Oh, so yeah. you're looking at like, who who are guys that maybe we could get. And I just remember like, because we had Mitchell Robinson was in the same draft. right? And so we declined his, like the way we structured it, which is what most teams do when you give a, a second round pick, a four-year contract is you do three years guaranteed and you make the fourth year a team option, right. right? Because if you decline the team option, that player becomes a restricted free agent after three years, you have matching rights, blah, 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 blah. Um, we actually declined the team option because he was hurt and I don't think they felt comfortable giving him a big big extension. We obviously agreed to, uh, agreed to one with him now, so he's back on the team. But like I remember looking at the Jalen Brunson one and it was non-guaranteed in the fourth year. And I remember talking to my buddy and I'm just like, does mm-hmm. that mean that he's I was like so if they don't guarantee it doesn't it become restricted and he was just like no and I was like so he's unrestricted no matter what they do right. so they'll guarantee it but like he's still going to be unrestricted after four years he's like yep that's basically what it is and I was just like wow yeah. um, that is an unbelievably terrible contract because you as the team like you that's a that's just a situation where it's like you should never not it, like it should never not be a team option. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. there's no way the agent should win that negotiation, that not piece of all. the negotiation. They have yeah. no,
1: like, they, where are they going to, what are these going to do? Not let them play? <laughs> like, right, exactly. That's not what's going to happen. So, the fact that they allowed <laughs> that to occur is just pathetic management. Now, on the back end, like you said, I do believe getting Dinwiddie was a play at security at a bare minimum. Uh, mm-hmm. If Brunson leaves, because again, you you know that that's a possibility. um. And then when it came to the, the money piece, I don't know that money was a factor here on the back end. Mm-hmm. I, I I want to believe they would have paid him if they got the opportunity. But my understanding of it is that they, there was no opportunity. And I'm not surprised. Like, I'm pretty sure he wanted to go. I'm pretty sure he knew he wanted to go for a long time.
0: I mean the connections are outrageous, right? It's like <laughs> his fucking dad is on the coaching staff, yeah. and I mean that that part of it. Like honestly, I don't. I think he would have gone even if that wasn't there. I think right. it was like, like he's represented by Sam Rose. His first agent was Leon. Exactly. He, Leon is his fucking godfather. Exactly. Literally his godfather. Like, like is it tampering? It's just if it's just
1: family dinner. Like,
0: yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It was just like one of those things where the only way I saw it was like, look. You you have a year like the Mavericks had, right? And he's been there for four years. Luca is amazing, a generational player. Like that's a situation where maybe it's just like, why would I leave this? You know, like. Yeah. But I, to your point, like I think the fact that he knew if I signed this contract, if I whatever contract they gave him, right? It, let's say let's say the Dallas matched the number the next game, right? right? He would know. Because they showed him at the deadline, he knows that he's trade bait. Exactly. Like, that's what he is to them. So, like, why would I go there when I can go, and I can go back to where I'm from for the team that I grew up rooting for, to play for my dad and my godfather and, like, all of these connections I have there. And control my destiny. Right. And, like, I'm, I, I at the very least, like, if there's a team where he has a chance of never getting traded, it's probably this one, right? Like, Pretty good chance, or at least there is a chance of that. And I just think, you know, uh, for him, it was probably just like, you know, uh, the, the fact that you guys even, like you said, it's, I mean, I I was watching, so the Knicks played tonight, uh, Summer League or whatever, right. but they were talking about the DeAndre Ayton entire thing. And it was funny, right? Because it was like they're talking about the contract. And then halfway through the second quarter, they're like, well, the contract's been matched. Like, it's going back to Phoenix. <laughs> uh, but Sam Mitchell's was on the broadcast and he's like, He's like, look, like I'm sure DeAndre Innes happy he got the money, and maybe in time he's going to be happy going back to Phoenix. But he's, he was like, you're going to feel some type of way about hey, exactly. this because for a month, two months, you're hearing about like all, this, all the bad things about you as a player and are you a serious professional, all these kind of things. And then you they make you go out on the market, go get a contract, and then they match it. And it's like, why couldn't you just given me the money right. to begin with and we could have avoided it? Right. It's it's not respectful. And I think to a much lesser extent in this scenario, because Dallas did not uh, to my knowledge at least, they yeah. haven't I haven't seen any leaks of like, oh Brunson was actually a gigantic raging no, asshole no, behind the scenes, Nothing yeah. but nice things so, to say. Right, right. So like I don't think it's it's the same thing, but just the idea of like like Aiden knows why they matched it. He knows that they matched it because <laughs> they want to keep him to eventually trade him. Exactly. Like, that that's what it is. So like that when the, the relationship gets to that point, I think it's just really tough. And yeah, I mean, Brunson, like, you know, yeah, the Brunson part of it is, it is what it is. Um, I guess like just, if, so they've had, like, I, I would call Dinwiddie, like, it's not a free agent acquisition, but it kind of was a free agent acquisition the way I think of it. Okay, um, It's like preparation for this upcoming season. So let's say we count him as kind of like a key addition. They make this move at the draft where they package up like all of their bullshit expiring deals and the 26th pick, send it to Houston, they get Christian Wood. My assumption at the time was he was going to start. Um, but then in the immediate aftermath of Brunson agreeing to sign it with the Knicks, uh, the Mavericks go out and they sign JaVale McGee to part of the taxpayer mid-level exception, I believe, that they had, and... Um, and it's like, then I read, read this Tim Kato story the other day where JaVale McGee's going to start and Christian Wood's going to come off the bench. And I'm just like, I mean, you talked about the hard Hardaway coming off the, like Hardaway and Christian Wood coming off the bench <laughs> with, like, without like a steady veteran point guard. To kind of, like, I mean, doesn't that, does that worry you? Because uh, Christian Wood as it is, like, I know his metrics are all really, really good, right. but a seven-footer with that those type of positive scoring efficiency metrics and all this kind of stuff that scores in the way he does too, right? He can shoot from three. He can put the ball on the deck. You've got to wonder why, like, he was available in a league that is so obsessed with skilled big guys. Like, I mean, everything about that is a little weird, right? So there's definitely
1: <clears throat> some personality stuff with Christian Wood that people don't like um allegedly that's why it took him so long to even find a a nba home yeah yeah. um i feel like kid thinks he can he i mean he's gonna bring you into the kumbaya circle you're gonna buy in you're gonna drink the (laughs) kool-aid like everybody's happy it didn't work on porzingis but everybody else is happy there
0: I mean, to be fair, I think even Porzingis seemed happier this year with Kid than he had been
1: at all under Karl. I'm gonna be honest. I feel like there was some type of behind the scenes agreement that they were gonna yeah. pump up his value and, and get a trade for
0: him. And like, he did was you see happy the that. videos? Did you see the videos of him in Washington after he got traded? I saw like one of him arriving. He was like so happy. I saw an interview with
1: him where he seemed like <laughs> the happiest guy in the world. And I'm happy for him. Like, here's the thing: like a lot of Mass fans and. I'm sure you can relate to this as a Knicks fan because I think that's like part of <laughs> the culture. You want to you want your ex to be miserable, and like <laughs> I pers- I can't subscribe to that. Like, did I want KP on the Mavs? No, I said trade him for a bag of chips last summer, <laughs> and we did that. <laughs> we traded him for uh, the ghost of Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis making all kinds of money to brick threes, bird like. Did Spencer turn into something for us? Yes, we could not have anticipated that, though. And, you know, KP's gone. He's in a better situation for him. So he thinks so far. We'll see how it works out. I, I can't be mad at that. Like, I'm happy he's gone, but I'm not preying on his downfall, if that makes sense. The action never
0: ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Look, the KP part of it, so much of that stuff was like, the way it ended in New York was really sudden, and, you know, like, he's out the door, and the piece of it that really was annoying was like, look, I thought at the time, I said this at the time, um, I mean, look, you remember this. At the time that trade was made, a lot of most people were like, "This is an insane trade by the Knicks," and Dallas is, you know, Luca and KP. This is like Steve Nash and <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki, and like they're going to do it right this time, and all this kind of shit. And look, I think Kristaps. The injuries have definitely changed the trajectory of his career. There's no right, question about right. it. Um, I, I think he had it in him to be third best player on a championship team, a Chris Bosh type of player. Right. I wrote that right after the Knicks traded him. That that was the risk that you're trading a player of this caliber, of this potential caliber. That is like a hall. That's a Hall of Fame player, right? That's a player that helps you win championships. That's a big risk you're taking. I thought it was worth doing because, as as you know now from the trade, like um, the there's multiple pieces of it. One was you got out of all of your bad money. You basically erased all of your mistakes. All of your bad money is gone, right? Hardaway is gone. Courtney Lee is gone. And the reason I thought that was important was I thought we had already blown our window to build anything around it because of those contracts. Because our cap was like we had one shot basically, which was that upcoming summer, that 2019 summer, to add pieces of value around KP and whatever was there. And I was like, I just don't like like, I don't see the window here. I just don't see it. Like, I don't like it. I don't think the odds are good. All we have are our picks. We don't have any extras floating around. Right. So that was another part of it. We got two extra firsts. I was like, okay, this is good. So we have all this cap space now that we've cleared out. we got two extra firsts. Um, and the other part of it was like, we were not on the hook. To pay him a fully guaranteed max contract because the month before he got traded, there was all of this reporting coming out in the local media about like, oh, the Knicks want to, they want to keep him, but they want to put injury guarantees on it, and his camp doesn't like that. And yeah. I was like, and I was like, I don't care if his camp doesn't like that. Like that's, <laughs> that's I wouldn't that's give this reason. guy, a, yeah, like I'm not gonna give him a fully fucking guaranteed max. So coming off an ACL tear, and he had had, he had never finished a season at that point. He'd always gotten injured before the end of the season, and so I was just like. I'm good. I'm not gonna, you know. I I was fine with that trade, and okay. so so you were one. What you were one of the few, I would say, then that was okay with it. I I thought it was a good trade. I I thought it was a good trade. I didn't like the stuff with his brother was super weird in New York. I I thought the the way I thought of it was this: was that clearly they made those moves at the time. There's no question about it. That like, yes, some element of it was like in inherently clearing out your, your books and just having a clean cap sheet for once right. in the history of my entire life as a Knicks fan <laughs> is a good thing, but there's no question about it, but like that they wanted to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or whatever yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And so like the, way, but the way I thought of it was like, okay, even if you don't get Kevin Durant and you don't get Kyrie Irving, you mm-hmm. have these extra picks. Now you have all of your own picks. You're going to get a good pick this year, which ended up being RJ Barrett. Um, like, even if you don't get these guys, you're in a position now to just kind of like build from yeah. the ground up for real. And I just didn't think there was much downside for the Knicks. The downside was all about Kristaps. It wasn't actually about like exactly. the position of the franchise. So to me, I was like, this is worth it for the Knicks to do. And I didn't actually like it for the Mavericks because of all of the reasons I liked it for the Knicks. Cause I was just like, you don't need to rush any. Like you're, you're in good. You have Luca. Like that's it. You have Luca on a rookie contract. Yeah. That's the fucking sell right there. You don't need to rush anything. You don't need to force it. I compared it at the time. What I said immediately after the trade was, "This reminds me of when the Pelicans traded for Drew Holiday immediately after yeah. AD's rookie season, because it was like on paper it makes sense, right? right. This is a good young guard. Let's get this, this is, guard is a guard. Go with our big." Right, it makes sense, but I'm like, you don't need to really rush it at that point. You right. know, these guys like when they're young, they're like, you don't like. I'm sure Luca wants to win. Everybody knows Luca wants to win, but after his rookie year, you think he gave a shit about like, oh, we I need to make sure like they better be making aggressive moves to put all <laughs> these. No, yeah, after his rookie year, he's probably just like, all right, man, I'm gonna go back to Spain, like, <laughs> hang out by the pool, smoke some hookah. You know, like he's not worried <laughs> about any of that shit. Like we got him he
1: hostage was... for eight years, pretty much.
0: Yeah, so I was just like, I didn't understand it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just like, so so much of the bitterness towards KP to get back to it was just like, the way he was framed, and especially after they didn't get Duran and Irving, was like, every time KP had a good game, oh my God, the Knicks <laughs> gave away this guy for nothing. Oh, they gave him away for nothing. And I'm just like, you can keep saying they got nothing, but like, they didn't get nothing. And the one good thing that came out of that offseason season was even though, whatever you think about the contracts they signed, they didn't really lock themselves into anything. Yeah. So, like, it it gave them now, like, now they're kind of locked into multiple contracts and stuff, but they've had cap space or varieties of cap space or been able to open up cap space exactly to kind of piece together a team for three or four years now, and there is value to that. I do think this is a pretty deep roster, even if it doesn't have the top-end talent that you need to really win in the NBA. Um, and that's kind of just, like, the opportunity that arose from the KP deal. So the bitterness of that was mostly like so much of it was just the coverage. And actually, you know, like I've, I've a couple months ago, I was like, you know what the Knicks, maybe they should trade Julius Randall for Chris Southports. I uh, we could use a stretch five and all this kind of stuff. I, I actually kind of, I do believe this. I think it would be an interesting homecoming, but like, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to see how he's, ended up now in Washington and whatever the hell is going on there. But like yeah, I mean I, I don't think that at this point I don't really like I don't really hate him or anything like that anymore. Okay. There's not it's it's it was like that's it was like a Mavericks thing, right? Like if he was still on the Mavericks, then it would be like, you know, every time we play you gotta prove that like we won the trade. But now it's just there's <laughs> nothing he's on the Wizards, like who cares? It's just not even the same thing anymore. <laughs> it's funny because
1: you know, Mass fans. I don't know if we want to be other fan bases, and so we did that with the Knicks with KP, of course. And I, I say we. I per- personally could not. I, that wasn't a thing for me. Um, the Hawks is another one, like with Trey Young. Like, oh, I can't believe y'all gave us Luca. Blah blah blah. It's like, man, I, I love Trey. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and hate on Trey for no reason. I can. There's plenty of other reasons to hate on him, which I do, but not. It has nothing to do with that trade. That was one of the most even trades of all time, in my opinion. Uh, Everybody got what they needed or what they wanted out of that, in my opinion. Um, With the KP stuff, and I think the biggest, and I, I said this, but this was our first interaction here. It was like the KP trade in and of itself wasn't the problem. It was everything that happened after that. It was trading Harrison Barnes for Justin Jackson, to get more cap space. And then in the open a free agency, instead of using the cap space that you created to sign other players, to go along with Luca and KP, they legit put their phones away and had wine yeah. and dine KP and went to the media. Like this is our big fish. Like Mark Cuban wanted so bad to be able to say that he got a big fish after nine years of failure that he whined and dined a guy that was already on his goddamn roster while Malcolm Brogdon and other guys were signing with other teams. It was the most pathetic display I've ever seen. And then once we locked KP in, we can't spend any money. So what did we accomplish at the end of the day?
0: Yeah, that was a weird one too. And it's like, I I love the Seth Curry contract. And then a year later, they trade trade him. him yeah it was like that trait I never understood it stupid um, like we Seth yeah. Curry is a guy who chose to come to us and perform. And he's awesome he's awesome with guys like he's he's one of those players in the nBA. there's not a single player that you could be like, Oh yeah, no, Seth can't play with him right like that that lineup doesn't work. There's no player he doesn't play well with, and it's yeah, it was i that was crazy. To to deal that one and for what did you even get? You got a Josh you a Richardson second round, yeah, and, uh, was, and, you and you got a second round, second round pick, right? a second
1: round pick that turned into Tyler Bay, who was waived the same year. <laughs> so, <laughs> Josh Richardson experiment failed miserably, and Tyler Bay is no longer a Dallas Maverick. It's like so we we gave away Seth Curry for absolutely nothing again. A guy who wanted to be there. I legit I don't buy jerseys. I had a Seth Curry jersey like I just knew he was staying. Um I could not believe the trade. He was in the bubble going crazy, like talking crazy to Paul George, you know he's married to Paul George's ex. Um and Paul George did her dirty like they were talking, he was talking crazy to Paul George. I just knew he was a Maverick for life and then we traded him in my opinion to have a chance at some some more cap space later. I don't know, I don't understand what we've been, I don't understand our man the management side. I'm trying to give Nico a blank slate, but I feel like the Mark Cubanisms are rubbing off on him too. Um, and that Tim Hardaway Jr. is like adding a free agent line that he dropped at Summer League is the first sign <laughs> of that. Like that's the kind of crap that Mark Cuban tries to spew and spin to make us feel like we did something when we, we didn't.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the the cap space stuff with the Mavericks is like legendary at this point. Where, and look, I, I'm a Knicks fan, so I, I'm, you know, I, I've experienced all kinds of like, yeah, this is the year, this is the time, we're gonna get LeBron this time for sure.